Well, hello there. You're listening to We Just Like to Talk. I'm your host, Becky. And I'm Ben. And this is a podcast for easy listening about hard subjects. And today's topic is... Adulting! I was having the kind of week where I just felt like I was in a little bit over my head. I felt like I was having to fake a lot of stuff. Not quite imposter syndrome, right? You're familiar with imposter imposter syndrome, Becky? Yes. Yeah, so it, was, it wasn't quite that. It wasn't like I thought, oh, you know, I'm not good at my job and everybody else thinks I'm good at my job. Maybe there was a little bit of that, but it was more like I genuinely felt I was just little too busy or I had too many things to do. I felt like I was just barely treading water, keeping my head above the water. Mm. And I was having, I was in this kind of state of mind where I was having trouble expressing that to people because whenever I, I did kind of open up a little bit to coworkers or friends, sometimes the reactions would be something like, oh, you're doing amazing, Ben. You're doing fine. You know, look at you. You've got a house. You've got this full-time job. And they, they would list all of these things that are apparently evidence that I am some kind of successful adult, um, that I'm winning at adulting. And, and to some extent, that's true and that's accurate, right? I'm extremely lucky and privileged to be a millennial who has his own house and who has a stable job. Um, so I, I, I certainly want to acknowledge that. But even even with all of those things, I still feel sometimes like I'm struggling. And it, I know that when people say that, that they mean well, and they're, they're trying to build me up and encourage me. But sometimes, depending on the mindset that I'm in, it can come off, it can feel a little bit dismissive, or it can feel like they're not really validating my thoughts. Mm-hmm. So in, in that sense, it's kind of like, you know, I appear successful on the outside. I've got my house, I've got my job, I've got all of these good things happening in my life. So sometimes that makes it harder for people to see the struggles that I'm experiencing or to see those moments where I'm feeling low. Um, and so I, I just thought that that's an interesting thing that I wanted to, to talk to you about because we're very close in age, but we have very different careers and life trajectories and lifestyles even Mm -hmm. um but i think we've got you know comparable experiences in some ways and i just thought we could talk about what it's like to feel like when when it comes to adulting these feelings of sometimes being burnt out or feeling like you're faking it and feeling like it's difficult for you to reach out for help not because you don't want to reach out for help but because Mm -hmm. people are just going to turn around and say but look at all the good things you're doing And then they don't necessarily take those moments of weakness or need that you have as seriously. Yeah, life isn't what it always seems to be on Instagram or what people are portraying. You know, I I think for me, it's a little bit different because people will say to me like, oh, you're killing it in Montreal. You're doing so well. And I'm like, yes, I'm not going to deny that. 
But at the same time, like, they didn't see, like, half of the struggles that I've gone through to either get to where I am or, you know, everyday struggles, right? Like adulting. Your adulting struggles. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about burnout for a moment, because part of this episode's idea comes from this article that I saw on BuzzFeed a while back Mm -hmm. and shared it with you. It's been a while since we read the article, but I think we both kind of remember the gist of it. So the article is, is called... How Millennials Became the Burnout Generation by Anne Helen Peterson from January. Uh, We'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, She basically just talks about the feeling that seems to be quite common to millennials. is a feeling of burnout specifically around doing sort of everyday adulting tasks. She starts off with the story of a guy named Tim who's 27 years old. Uh, and who failed to register to vote for the 2016 presidential election in the U.S. Uh, before the deadline. And he said that, like, he just couldn't get around to doing it. It seemed like so, it seemed like so much more work than it actually was. Um, and what the reporter does is she's basically talking about how you know, there is a stereotype of millennials as being spoiled and tidy, entitled, lazy people. Uh, and who, you know, we complain on social media all about adulting. We complain about having to cook food and do the laundry. And it's like, you know, we're painted as being lazy and like we expect just everything to fall into our laps. Uh, and she says, well, no, actually, that's, she says that's not the case, right? She says um, that the system is failing, not just millennials, it's failing all of us when mm-hmm. we talk about things like our society and the way that. Uh, and she she's talking about millennials specifically because for previous generations who were coming of age like we are, you were very often you were guaranteed a pretty good job out of school, uh, mm-hmm. whether it was apprenticeship, college, or university. You could find a job in your field. You could get hired. Often you would work for the same company, if not for your whole career, then for a good chunk of your career. Whereas many of us in our generation, that was never a reality. Um, I am a I am an exception to that, where and you know you you have you have pretty much embraced the millennial ethos of being a self starter and hopping <laughs> hopping jobs whenever you need to. So <laughs> I think we have we have a nice diversity of opinion there, mm-hmm. uh, and and this is not an experience that's exclusive to millennials. The difference between millennials and other generations is that you know, this has always been our reality, whereas with other generations, uh, not everybody had the stable career, but the possibility of having a stable career was at least there in a way that it's not for our generation. Mm-hmm. Well said. So um, I just, I read that article and part of me was like, yeah, I really identify with this part of me, you know, because I am lucky enough to have a pretty stable job in a house was like, oh, okay, I'm a little bit more privileged than a lot of millennials. But the part that really identified, I really identified with was, that sense of burnout of like not being able to do the really simple tasks, like running an errand after work. I would put off going to a store for like weeks and weeks and weeks. I'd just keep telling myself, ah, I don't really need to do that today. I, I can wait for another day. One thing for me was mailing a package to a friend. And I just kept saying like each night, like, okay, I'll do it tomorrow night. Okay, I'll do it tomorrow night. And yeah, I mean, part of it was like, I am a fairly busy person and I do pack a lot in like 
social wise or or projects that I'm working on so yeah I mean part of it was I literally did not have time but also the post office is like a two-minute walk so (laughs) did it would it have taken that long no could I have done it yes but yeah like you're saying like you're just so exhausted and and it's like a cognitive like overload that you've yeah. already been dealing with so much during the day, like work and, you know, like your family and your friends. And I think one thing for me that I've noticed lately is I just do not have the energy to answer text messages. Like, mm. and and I'm sure you've noticed this a little bit, but... I was about to say, I have noticed this. Yeah, yeah. Tried not to take it personally. <laughs> Yeah, and and because it's not just you, it's 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 every everyone that texts me because I literally do not have the mental energy to look at my phone, read the text message, and then respond. Like as simple as it is, it's just like I feel like sometimes my phone sucks out too much energy from me, so I tend to like put it on the other side of the room or. Yeah, so I think that's one of the big things is like, yes, small errands, but also my phone has been a big one for me lately. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing that's changed in the past 20 years um, for millennials and for other generations is how we relate to our phones as devices, right? Yeah. And we are, we're so trained to stay near our phones, keep our phones on, keep those notifications on because you don't want to miss a text. You don't want to miss a call. It could be a job offer. Or if you have a job, it could be your boss with some important task that you have to do on the weekend, even though the weekend should be your off time, right? But but no, you're going to do it because that's how you're going to get that promotion, right? Or that's how you're going to show that you're a team player or something like that. Like, it's fucked up. It's fucked up. Um, Yeah, it's very fucked up. We're so dependent on our phones. Yeah, and you know what? Sometimes I'm not perfect. Like, sometimes on the weekend, I'll roll over and I'll be like, oh, who texted me? Like, did Ben text me? Did my mom text me? Because those are usually... You know I did. (laughs) You and my mom are, like, usually the first people to text me because you're usually up a little earlier than I am. So, um... (laughs) Well... But you I don't have it. to tell you don't you don't have to tell us which one of us you answered first then just in case your mom's listening to this podcast but <laughs> it's, it's me it's me um, <laughs> you you heard it here first listeners Becky admits she's not perfect please shame her online <laughs> yes throw stones at me if you see me in person as well <laughs> oh dear I, I have a question. Yep. If you could if you could outsource maybe one or two things, like adulting wise, what would it be? Like if I could if I could have an ethical way of having like a servant to do things for me? Yeah, sure. Okay. Um hmm. Good question. Uh, honestly, talking yeah. to other people talking to other people, like having to to phone companies for things, right? Like customer service stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. Or like ordering food, like that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, you've you've been around. There's been a few times when I haven't wanted to order food because I didn't want to deal with 
the anxiety of talking to somebody else on the phone or dealing with a delivery person who shows up like yeah um it's weird because i don't actually like using delivery apps like i know that i know that there are places that will like you can order a pizza through their website or through the app or whatever i actually prefer phoning the pizza place and ordering it that way i don't know why i'm I'm weird i'm technophobic in that one specific area wait so you would rather phone the restaurant than use the app to order yeah yeah why is it because you don't trust the app yeah probably okay okay yeah I, i know too much about how awful app development is to trust the app to actually handle my order properly yeah, I mean, that's I'm like fair. I, I want to I, I want a, a pimply faced teenager on the other end of this phone call entering my order into a computer manually. Damn it! <laughs> that's very archaic of you, and I like it. Don't change. But but also like uh, in all seriousness, because I listen to too much Spark on CBC Radio, they actually are developing AIs that will do customer service interactions for you like ais that will like call a hair salon and make an appointment for you and like Hmm. um like with a simulated voice and stuff so the person on the other end thinks that they're talking to a human Mm -hmm. um and then they made the point they were talking about like the ais would start calling each other so it's like the ai would call the hair salon the hair salon's ai would pick (laughs) up and take the appointment schedule the appointment right like um so yeah it's interesting to think about that stuff but yeah Hmm. so dealing with dealing with customer service type things having to having to talk to people and interact in those ways mm-hmm. i find that can be very difficult and challenging for me mm-hmm. what about you for me well i think you might know what it is but it's not at, okay here's the thing because of you i enjoy cooking more and i right. barely order in or mm-hmm. even really go to restaurants anymore because it's, it's just too pricey um and and there are times when I do find it like meditative and and I get into a groove, um, but I just feel like during the week you just you only have so much time. So if I had someone that was like cooking really healthy, really good meals, I would love yeah. that. That would be like yep. amazing. I think I think that and uh, like some sort of like personal chef, and then. Some maybe like a personal trainer because that's kind of like both sides to the fitness coin, you know, food and working out. I, I think I would outsource those two things. Not get someone to work out for me, but just help me with my workouts. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, and and that sort of reminds me of an adage, which I don't I don't know who first said it or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, if we're if we're gonna like next level this question, right? Okay. So you you were asking like, what would you have somebody else or something else do, right? If we could invent a new machine to do it, or if we had somebody to do it for us in an ethical way, uh, to to take take a load off of us. Um, so, and, that, and that's a if we're, we've just been discussing it from a very like individualist point of view, right? Of like this is gonna make my life easier. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that reminds me of the phrase. I'm sure you've heard this before. Somebody talking about how we all have the same amount of hours in our day as Beyonce. Yes. And they mean it to be like this empowering thing of like, hey, like, look at all these amazing things that Beyonce can accomplish. It's not like she has any more hours in her day than we do. We all have 24 hours in our day. Mm-hmm. 
the the problem with that is it just completely flattens and erases the fact that you know Beyonce because of her success as a celebrity has access to all of these other resources that we don't have right oh yeah so you know people who are working class people who have to spend most uh, some or most of their day working not mm-hmm. to mention taking care of their kids and all these mm-hmm. other things like they don't have the same amount of hours as Beyonce. Yep. So what you and I were describing, it's almost like we are aspiring to um, the Beyonce effect, right? Of like having this access to all these new resources that are opened up by having money and stuff like mm-hmm. that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it's like, okay, well, it, there's nothing wrong with having those dreams and to and and thinking about these things, right? Wouldn't it be great if we all if we had a personal chef? Yes. Um, <laughs> But if we were think if we're thinking about it a little more realistically, right? Like, okay, it's not possible for every single person to have their own personal chef, right? That's just not a scalable model. It's not sustainable. Yeah. So, like, what could we be? What could we change about our society right now? What What could we do with our society that would actually help us all as individuals, right? Like, you know, mm. and I think I think about things like universal basic income. Uh, adjusting like the work week and stuff so, like oh, whether yeah. it's like four days on three days off or you know just more flexible hours if possible and obviously for some jobs it's not possible but I, I think for a lot of jobs especially office jobs there's a lot more room for flexibility than we might admit right now or might consider mm-hmm. it just requires a little more creative thinking a little more willingness mm-hmm if we so to to next level your question it's not so much what would i change in my life it's like what would i change in society to make our society better and less stressful for all of us who are just trying to survive at adulting hmm. uh, you know i think i think and i and i've said it before but i'm totally into this idea of like maybe even like every second weekend being a 3 day weekend and yeah easing the burden of like having to do errands and Maybe you have extra projects that you like to work on, like I do, and you can, like, finish them, say, like, on the Friday, and then you have Saturday and Sunday to sort of, like, relax and hang out with friends and stuff, um, mm-hmm. I think would be really nice. Maybe something with, like, childcare, if that's a big thing, because I know, and I, I've heard from, from a lot of, like, friends and even my sister that daycare is just, like, ridiculously expensive, so mm-hmm. sometimes you either have to choose, like, is it worth both parents going to work and the kid going to daycare? Or does one parent, like, step down from their job to take care of the kid while the other parent works? But mm-hmm. that's, like, a huge sacrifice, I think, for either choice, right? Yeah. So I have a question for you. Yeah, go for it there's this pressure on us to monetize our hobbies, to mm-hmm. turn our hobbies into side hustles. And a lot of, very often it starts as compliments, as like, oh, you're so good at this, you should sell it. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I'm so, oh, Ben, you're so good at knitting that you should you should sell this stuff. It's like, well, actually, you know, if I were to charge you minimum wage, oh, it's going to be too expensive. You have a lot of experience. You have a lot of hobbies Becky, both artistic and also things like um, the modeling and the blogging and stuff. And it's like, 
Mm-hmm. So what is your perspective on this? Because I know that some of these hobbies you are trying to monetize, at least at some point later on down the road, like with the blogging, mm-hmm. but others, like with you, some of your art, you're not trying to monetize. So mm-hmm. how do you experience this pressure to, to monetize your own free time? Yeah, I think you have to be very careful about it. And I think you have to ask yourself, like, why do I mon- want to monetize this? Or why do I want to have this side hustle? Like, is the side hustle bringing me joy or is it going to bring me more stress in my life? Like, I think realistically, it's, for me anyway, it's tough to create art and then sell it. Because for me, it takes a lot of time, it takes energy, mm-hmm. a lot of resources. So like you said, it's it's like, well, if I'm actually going to charge the price and I have to consider like my time, I have to consider how much I spent on the paint, how much I spent on the paintbrushes, like all this stuff. So for me, it's just not worth it. And and also it's like the inspiration isn't always there. Like it's really rare that I'm sitting down and I'm like creating a painting because it's just not always there for me. Like sometimes I go through phases where I'm always painting and sometimes I don't. But either way, I'm not judging myself. Like I don't think to myself, oh, I should be painting more. I think for me, it's like a slow buildup of like, okay, what's my idea? What do I want to create? Why do I want to create this? Who do I want to create it for? So for me, it's a process. But for other things like blogging, I enjoy it. It's um, not too difficult for me. And I'm consistent. But I'm also not expecting money from it. So if money doesn't come ever, that's okay because I put in a lot of work and I'm happy with what I've done, but it doesn't necessarily have to be this like monetary like outcome or whatever. But that being said, I am working really hard to eventually monetize it. And I think it's interesting because people think like, you know, as soon as you start something, you're going to start making money or whatever, but I think Mm -hmm. these things like take time, like it takes time to build a following and it takes time to put content out there and to improve your content. Like for me, it's just been a great process and I've had some successes, but sometimes I have to look and be like, okay, what's something that I can do maybe a little bit better, a little bit differently, and then work on that. Uh, Do you ever feel this pressure to just always be working and doing something productive because if you're not then you're not working hard enough yes all the time yeah all the time and I know we've talked about this before but sometimes I feel like maybe not even always working but like doing something there are certain people that are that I know that are always going out on the weekends even though they've had really busy weeks. And I'm just like, don't you just ever want to like take a break? Maybe because I'm tired and I'm, and I, and I need breaks, you know? I mean, yeah, I feel like that's my, my role in the friendship is to (laughs) remind you to take breaks. Uh, I'm like, I'm like a Kit Kat. So speaking of partners, because you're somebody who has had partners in the past, uh, and I'm somebody who's not, and I know that you've never actually lived with your partners, but when it comes to 
being in a relationship with somebody and this idea of adulting and having somebody to help you out with things. Uh, what's that like? Okay, so this is not going to be a black and white answer. Of course Unfortunately, not. Unfortunately, it's, uh, it's very gray. I'm going to say it has been both. I, that, I would expect that, yeah. Okay. I had one partner in university and it was really nice because oftentimes like he would cook for both of us or we would kind of like share the task of reading through like course material and then sharing our notes with each other. So in that sense, I think like we were really good about sharing a lot of the burden. That was more like school-wise though. Mm-hmm. Even I can think of certain partners, like say sometimes when I was working multiple jobs, I wouldn't necessarily have the time to grab some food. So some of my partners would be super kind and bring food to where I was working. But let's go to the flip side of like being more of a burden than not. So sometimes having a partner would be just in general more of like a burden of thinking like, okay... Um, when are we going to see each other? Like, I, I feel like as women, like sometimes we think of that stuff maybe like a little bit more or maybe like how it depends, like how invested you are in that relationship. So, you know, I remember certain times and I'd be like, okay, this is my schedule for the week. I'm super, super busy. I know you're busy. How can, and when can we find time to see each other? And often I, I just found it was like pulling teeth with certain people like and and to me that should not be hard that should be a really easy thing like Mm -hmm. like yeah okay I want to see you too I'm gonna make room or I'm gonna ask you about it because I know you're really busy and I know that's not something you want to be thinking about so let me take that on and I can figure it out as well too and did did you sometimes feel there would be a little bit of a little bit more pushback or pressure from your male partners for you to sort of rearrange the schedule and be a little bit more flexible to fit them in versus them rearranging their schedule? Mm, you have to understand, like, I'm, and you know me, I, I'm a very, sometimes I'm a very, like, firm person when it comes to the things that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes, like, I would push back and I would be like, do you have to take that extra shift or can you, like... Mm-hmm rearrange that but not that's not to say like I didn't sacrifice certain things right like Mm -hmm. sometimes I would be like oh I don't need to go to yoga so let's hang out that morning instead so I think I've learned the lesson of I don't want a partner to sacrifice something that is important to them for me and vice versa like I, I will never sacrifice like working out or my mental health just to see someone like, mm-hmm. to me, that, that's never worth it. And, you know, it's like that whole saying, like, you got to put the oxygen mask on yourself before you fit someone else, right? Yes. <laughs> Did that answer your question? I think so. I think that was very interesting perspective, and I appreciate you sharing it. Can I add one more thing to that? Yeah. I think when you're with the right partner, that sort of thing is just a little bit easier. They don't add stress to your life as much as they tried to ease your stresses it's a compatibility thing isn't it yeah it's a compatibility thing and and same goes for friendships right like 
if you stressed me that, out yeah. <laughs> if you stressed me out a lot or if one of my friends stressed me out a lot i think that's like a big red flag of mm-hmm. you know that's it's just not the right fit or the right time to be that person's friend but because yeah. often i feel relaxed with you i enjoy spending time with you well, and you. it's never like complicated like you don't make it complicated and i try not to make it complicated so yeah I, it just works and i i think the few times we do stress each other out though those are that's the warning of like oh hey like this person is going through something rough right like yeah that that's when your friend is stressing you out if that's not the norm for them and if it is get better friends um but (laughs) if 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 your friend is stressing you out yeah it's a sign it's a it's almost like a cry for help it's a sign that they are they're going through something dire or serious and if you have the mental capacity and energy in your life to help them out it's a really good time to reach out and try to help them yeah. Sometimes you don't always have that extra capacity, which is, you know, it's unfortunate, but that's the way life is. You got to take care of yourself first. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like I, I know that you know, the, the, on the odd occasion that you've stressed me out, I, I know it's not because of me. It's because you're going through other things. And so when I have mm. the capability to help you, I'm just like, OK, I'm going to be super compassionate and understanding and at some point, I might mention that you were stressing me out, depending on why it is, just so it can be like, hey, for future reference. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, it's like, hey, I, just, I know you're going through something right now, and we're just, we are going to ride this wave together because we're stronger mm. together. Mm-hmm. That's so true. So true. And sometimes, sometimes too, maybe it's the opposite. Like, I know sometimes when I have felt stressed out by by you, by friends, by whomever, sometimes it's my state. Like maybe I'm already stressed out and no matter what what you said or what you did, it's not because you're projecting, it's because I'm already feeling like that. Yeah, that's a good point. It's, it's a perfect storm, right time, right place. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so... Unless we have anything else to add in terms of like stresses of adulting, nope. I feel I feel like we're in a good place to talk about uh, some more positive things, some more constructive things. Yeah, uh, you you already mentioned earlier in the episode certain habits that you're trying to instill in yourself in terms of like spending less time on your phone, yep. uh, being more present in the moment, that kind of thing. So that's all really good. Mm-hmm. So do do you have anything else to add in terms of like the self care aspect of uh, uh, how do we deal with burnout? How do we deal with feeling like we're faking it all the all the time? Like, what what are Becky's kind of like go tos of like you know, these are the things that we might not consider when we're burnt out, but we should probably remember these things. I believe that it's important to look on the inside because your inner life ends up being a reflection and reflects your outer world. So if you're calm on the inside, that's how you're gonna portray yourself and and see others on the outside versus if you're feeling chaotic and maybe sad or mad or whatever a mix of emotions you're gonna have the same on on, in your outer world so i think taking that time to reflect and uh, to assess and to know yourself and to know when you need a break and are you feeling burnt out and it's okay to take a break 
or or two or three or whatever you need or sometimes you know you need to go for a walk or sometimes you just need to do absolutely nothing so sometimes you need an orgasm (laughs) or two (laughs) however many times a day you know as long as you know yourself or a consenting adult partner like hey sometimes that's what you need right yeah sometimes you need to knock your socks off or not knock your boots whatever that saying is <laughs> uh, um okay ben what about I, you what, what advice would you give to people who are feeling number one burnt out number one strategy sleep mm, that's a good and one sleep consistently um yep too too little sleep is usually a problem sometimes too much sleep is also a problem right if, if you're sleeping so much that you're just feeling lethargic now and you know it can be a symptom of a, a bigger issue sometimes but i in our busy society where we're told we should always constantly be working and be productive we devalue sleep and it's almost a badge of honor right when you're talking to somebody and they're like yeah i only had three hours of sleep last night uh Mm. i can get by on six hours of sleep it's like no you're a liar you need probably seven to eight hours yeah more if you're a teenager uh but like we devalue sleep we spend all of our time talking about new ways of staying awake right caffeine coffee like um energy drinks yeah, we pulled an all-nighter. Like, sleep is essential for everybody. And consistent sleep is... Studies have shown that if you have a consistent sleep schedule, it is one of the best things that you can do for your body and your health. Oh, I love that. What What should we do when, instead of us being the ones who are feeling burnt out or feeling like we're we're faking it as adults... Yeah. How do we respond to our friends and our family members who are going through this? And how, how do we do that in a compassionate way that, that validates what they're feeling um, without overstepping our bounds? I think the best thing to do is just, like, listen to your friend and acknowledge them and let them vent to you. Maybe they need advice. Maybe they don't. But let them ask you if if they need mm-hmm. advice. But, yeah, just just acknowledging that, like, that's okay to feel burnt out like yes it sucks but that's okay Mm -hmm. and you know don't like sugarcoat it or like you said like mention all the positive things that they've done in their life or you know sort of like yeah sugarcoat it basically yeah just be real just be real with your friend that's that's why i always ask you after you've been venting to me or after you've after you've kind of been like down in front of me that's why i ask you do you want a compliment or do you want a pep talk right it's not Mm -hmm. it's not that i only have a finite amount and i'm hoarding them and i can only give them to you (laughs) until they're all gone like no it's just like sometimes wait they're replenishable yeah compliments are renewable resources rebecca oh i gotta cash these in more often ben (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah no like sometimes you're not in the mood for that and Mm -hmm. So, so sometimes it's automatic. I can't always turn it off. But uh, I, I, as much as I like to build you up and be positive and tell you all of these things that you're amazing at. You also I love also, to bring me down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I, I don't want to diminish what you're feeling, right? So it's always like, okay, yeah. you've vented to me. And then it's like, okay, are you ready for me to build you back up? Or do you still need to feel this a little bit longer? Yeah. 
and and so yeah it, it's it's about consent right just like any interaction you have with somebody it's about consent ask before you touch somebody ask before you do something mm-hmm. ask before you compliment something be like hey do you want to hear a compliment uh and other pro tip don't be afraid to ask your friends for compliments right there's this phrase mm. fishing there's this phrase fishing for compliments which makes it sound like a negative thing mm-hmm. i i love like I, I text you sometimes and i'd be like i could use a compliment right now like mm-hmm. that's when i go into power mode <laughs> yeah i don't i don't do too often because power becky is a little bit scary frankly and uh <laughs> w- once i've unlocked that it's hard to like put her back yeah back in her cage right like yeah whew. once you unlock Oof. once you unleash power becky on the world you got to be careful. Um, Watch but yeah, out. it's like, you know, I, I, that's what friends are for. Friends are there to help you and build you up. Uh, if your friend yeah. is not building you up, if your friend is tearing you down, get better friends. Um, exactly. But yeah, friends are there to build you up. Don't ever be afraid to ask your friend for a compliment. And mm-hmm. uh, they will deliver as soon as they have a chance to reply to your text or whatever. But um, the, And the other thing I would say in terms of helping other people out is each person knows themselves the best. So... Mm-hmm. When somebody is telling you something and describing what they're going through, and you said this, right? Listen to that person. Don't second guess what they're saying. Don't try to explain their feelings back to them. And we all are guilty of this from time to time because we are fallible human beings, because we are socialized to do this a lot in the way we interact with people. But, mm-hmm. but you know, don't try to tell somebody, oh, okay, so you're feeling this way because of this, Right. Don't do like armchair psychoanalysis unless you are literally a trained psychotherapist or psychologist or whatever, and you have this experience, right? Like, mm-hmm. and and the person is paying you. I'm assuming this is a professional relationship, and they're paying you by the hour. Um, like, <laughs> like don't try to diagnose your friends and, and try to like analyze how they're feeling. That's not what they're there for. Like, mm-hmm. listen to them, believe them, understand that they're they're opening up to you and telling you this is how I'm feeling right now. And if they want advice, obviously give them advice if you feel comfortable doing it. But just remember that when somebody is describing what they're going through, that is, that is, that even if you disagree with them, even if you think that they are projecting or that they are um, not being accurate in how they're talking about things, you, you, that's okay. And if you're good enough friends with them to talk about that, you could certainly bring that up at an appropriate time. But, you know, when they're describing it to you, that is the truth as they feel it. And mm-hmm. before before you talk about other things, before you say, hey, have you considered it from this perspective, um, which you might need to do at some point because a good friend also helps their friends get better. But, you know, before you do that, you need to stop and think about it and take a moment and validate how your friend has expressed things to you because especially when your friend is going through something, you know, serious or um, debilitating, something that's really burning them out, it takes a lot of courage to open up to anybody, even if even if you're really close to them. It takes a lot of courage to do that. It takes a lot of energy to do that. So, you know, it's like the first thing I always do when, like, you're sharing something with me is like, you know, like, thank you for being open and sharing this with me because it makes me feel good that you have turned to me in your time of need, right? Like, you know, you are a valuable customer, uh, and we appreciate your patronage. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, so that would be my advice to, when you're helping other people. I love it. Well said. 
So thank you so much for listening. And uh, if you want to find us, stalk us, email us, you can find us at www.wejustliketotalk.com. You can also like, subscribe, comment on iTunes or anywhere you find podcasts. And please give us five stars. Woohoo! Yeah, we haven't monetized the podcast quite yet. <laughs> Speaking of monetizing our side hustles, <laughs> maybe in the future once we have more <laughs> listeners. Yeah. Uh, but hearing from hearing from our listeners is the most validating thing. So if you want to validate a couple of entitled millennials, then please validate us. Um, yeah. Yes, please. <laughs> so our next topic is going to be reality television and specifically we've talked about it before on the show but specifically becky's gonna make me watch some of the new real housewives of beverly hills yeah let's do beverly hills or maybe maybe new york if it's if it's come out by then okay so we're gonna watch some real housewives uh becky's Mm -hmm. gonna pick out which episode she wants me to watch so we're gonna talk all about that her as the experienced hot fan and me as the outsider uh, and we're also going to be talking about uh, another series that's similar, but also pretty different called Yummy Mummies from Australia, mm. because the first season of that came to Canadian Netflix last month. And so thank you, everybody, for listening to us. Mm-hmm. Thank you so thanks, much. And thanks, Becky, for sharing all of your amazing perspectives, because every single time we talk about stuff like this, uh, I always learn so much from you. Ray back at you, my friend.